thanks for tuning in. This is uh, the Alleluia Show. This show I'm going to be interviewing uh, Doc Marquis. So let me just get him on the phone right quick. And uh, But in the meantime, here's a song by Slothy. Five o'clock. Five time o'clock. for PM. For PM. With Eddie Mayer. Eddie Mayer. Disruption to air travel all day, but the British authorities believe they've foiled something much worse. The loss of life to innocent civilians would have been on an unprecedented scale. I would like to explain why the Joint Terrorism Analysis Centre took the decision to raise the UK threat state to its highest level, that of critical. terrorist plot aimed at blowing up a number of passenger planes flying between Britain and the United States. 21 people have been arrested. Security sources have told the BBC that an attack was believed to have been imminent and could possibly have been mounted within a couple of days. Detectives believe the suspects planned to smuggle explosives onto the aircraft concealed in drinks bottles. Deputy Commissioner Paul Stevenson of the Metropolitan Police described the threat in stark terms.
And, uh, all right. So on the line with me, we have, uh, uh, Doc Marquis. Hello, Doc Marquis, how are you? Doing fine, how are you, Alan? Wait, let me make sure this is coming up. Say it again. How are you doing, Alan? Okay, the phone line is not the best right now. Whoa. Let me just... How about that? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, let's just, let's just go like that. Um, so, um... I'm kind of fascinated. I, I heard about you through the internet, and I was um, and I was lucky lucky enough to get in contact with you. Um, uh, you uh, you claim to be someone who was in an organization called the Illuminati and uh, and quit that organization. Yeah, that's correct. I was raised in an Illuminati family. It's something I didn't join. It was just something I was brought up in. Oh, okay. And uh, so, uh, what's that like? What, what does that mean when you're born and raised in, in the Illuminati? Well, let me take some time and explain this. Sure. Um, when, you see, most people believe that the Illuminati is just made up of um, a couple of families or um, just some old blood. No, it's quite different than that. The Illuminati has been around, technically speaking, since May 1st, 1776. That's when they formally organized themselves. You see, the belief um, system behind the Illuminati, which states that only a certain select few have the intellectual capacity and mindset to govern and control the whole world, actually goes back to Babylon, about 3,500 B.C. Uh -huh. um, now, um, nowadays, yes, there are a lot of old bloodlines in the Illuminati, or families, if you would, and I was raised in one of those families. Now, Can you tell us which one? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just put it to you this way. As I was saying um, to you earlier, um, last uh, month I had to um, leave where I had been living for 12 years because the Illuminati tried another hit on me, and right now I am in... A very interesting hiding spot. Let's put it to you this way, okay? Okay. But, um, um, well, when I was three, I was um, brought to what you would understand as my dedication ceremony. Now, by that, I mean, you know how um, Catholics or um, born-again Christians will bring their children to the various denominations and dedicate their children to God? Sure. Um, they do the same thing in the occult world in the Illuminati. It's no different except they're dedicating their children to Lucifer. Hmm. So for the next 10 years, basically, I was put in what uh, is known as the outer court. Now, this is best understood as um, the Illuminati's version of, of a seminary. This is where you're taught all the rites, the rituals, the eight nights of human sacrifice, how to practice human sacrifice, incantations, evocations, the whole spiel. So by the time I was 13, I was brought to my initiation ceremony. Now what happened at that point was after um, the majority part of the ceremony was over with, they brought forth a book that was made out of lamb's hide. Now in the Illuminati, that's known as the Book of the Dead. 
they then um, brought out a quilt feather, put it on top of that book. And then they picked up a silver knife, which is called um, an affamate in the occult tongue. Um, they sliced my arm wide open. I took that feather, dipped it in my own blood, and signed my new occult name in that book. From that moment on, I was a first-level illuminist. Now, because of the particular family I was raised in, I was selected for um, certain high positions. So by the time I was 17, I was initiated as a master witch. Now, what that is, that's a third-level illuminist who has authority over a number of covens and every person in it. And the covens I ran, um, it, it took up two different states. Now, does this uh, have, I mean, does this have anything at all whatsoever to do with uh, what most folks would, would call, like, Freemasonry or anything like that? Like, the kinds of, um, what, what you do in these covens? I see what you're saying. No, you see, Freemasonry um, was taken over by the Illuminati back in July of, of 1782. Mm -hmm. You see, that's a different topic. What happened was, Dr. Adam Weishaupt had met with representatives of the 23 um, Supreme Masonic Councils. There was only 23 Supreme Councils who governed Masonry in that day and age. He met with them, and after 30 different sessions, the Illuminati, um, along with the Masons, the Masons signed a contract vowing to follow the Illuminati's seven-part plan towards the creation of a new world order. And the really sad part about all this is, is that 95% of all Masons haven't got a clue what's going on right. within their own temple. They just are never told the truth. Right. And, and the pity is there's a lot of good people out there in the Masons that are trying to do all these good works. Let's look at the Shriners, the Burn Centers, I mean, all the good things that they've done. But what they don't know is what's really going on behind the scenes in their own temples. It's similar to, you know, most Americans don't sure. know what's going on behind our own government because the Illuminati is really um, pulling all the strings. So, we'll get back to your, your story, how you were uh, the master at 17 of these covens. Right. Now, at, now by the time I turned 18, um, in following an Illuminati plan that had been going on for almost 10 years at that point, I joined um, the United States Army. Now, I did so under the orders of the Illuminati. At that time, the Illuminati had been trying to get in their own people and get them recognized as priests or priestesses of a religion. But the army and all the other armed forces was not buying it. So they sent us in anyway, and they had three major goals that we were to accomplish. One, they wanted um, every single one of, the, um, um, of, the, of our members who were sent in to set up a fully operative coven at any base they went to. Two, they wanted to make sure that certain select people in the United States um, branches, um, the Army, the Marines, what have you, were recruited into these covens. And three, they wanted to make sure that the major occult religions would receive federal recognition. Mm -hmm. This way, no one could, um, by the law, touch them. Wow. And if you look at the Army Chaplain's Handbook of 1979, you will find 
for the first time in all of U.S. history and military history, major occult religions are listed at now as federally recognized religions. In other words, they have um, priesthood status, they get um, better tax um, exemptions than most religions I can think of. They can set up fully operative um, covens and worship in the open on any of these bases, and there's nothing anyone can legally do about it. So, yeah, because I, I recall just a few uh, months or weeks ago, uh, uh, an army chaplain got in trouble for uh, preaching about Jesus Christ, which I thought was kind of ironic, um, if he, since he is a Christian preacher in the army, but he he was told he shouldn't do that anymore. Well, no, because that's politically incorrect now, because the Illuminati are having their way. Um, all these, as I said, check the Army Chaplain's Handbook, which you see the major occult religions that are now federally recognized. Hmm. Okay. So, on. Um, anyway, so... So you were in the, in the Army, was that... Yes. And, and you were... You were uh, you were placed there, and with, with what? And so, th those were some of your goals, or did you have other goals? Why? Well, I mean, well, um, um, after I had set up shop, as you would, if you'll excuse the pun, uh -huh. um, among other things that um, I was responsible for in the areas I was in was um, the child sex slave rings. Uh -huh. um, I didn't. Um, I wasn't involved um, really in the drug trade because, um, and I don't mean to sound egotistical or anything, but um, we've got a lot, lot lower level Illuminists who take care of things like that. Okay. You know? Right. And, um, and, the, and there was other three things I'd listed. All those things kept me very busy as it was. Mm -hmm. So, um, unfortunately, by the time I did leave the military, which was December 26, 1979, um, we met our goals. Mm. Um, those major um, occult religions are in the books. Right. And, um, huh. well, the interesting thing is, after I left the military, um, it was about, let me see, no, that was 19, yeah. Make sure you're, you're speaking directly into your, into your microphone. Okay. Yeah, that's um, better. Um, let me see. It, it was 1978, excuse me, December 26, 1978 that I left. And, um, what happened on April 15th, 1979, to make a very long story short, um, I became a born-again Christian. Um, as I said, it was a long story, but basically, um, one day when I was at, um, Fort, um, let me see, that would have been Fort Lewis, Washington. That would have been 1976, as memory serves me. I was walking down to the PX, minding my own business. I just needed to, um, pick up a couple of things. When, um, someone else in the medical, um, service that I knew just walked up to me. We just started walking down the road, and um, a couple minutes later, he had to leave. Well... Funny thing is, he asked me, just as he left, if I would like to go to church with him on Sunday. Well, you can imagine, that as a Luciferian witch in the Illuminati, what I had told him. Right. <laughs> now, for the next um, three years, and I'm not kidding when I say this, for the next three years, it seemed that no matter where I went and no matter how far I went, some born-again Christian was just waiting in the wings to witness to me. Mm -hmm. Eventually, as I said before, um, on April 15, 1979, I finally understood what the um, Christians were telling me all along. So I went to the Holy Bible Baptist Church, and I went in, and I admitted I was a sold-out slave of Satan's, but I left as a born-again child of the king. 
And ever since that day, I have been doing radio shows, television shows, trying to um, produce audio cassette series, videos, books, name it, to try to explain to everyone what is really going on and what they can do about it. Yeah. So what can people do about it? The greatest weapon that um, anyone um, can have is education. Uh-huh. You see, most Americans right now are being purposely dumbed down. Let's just look at what's going on right now in the political world. They, um, the um, liberals and the Democrats are so busy trying to tell us that um, we're in the worst situation imaginable because they're not at the helm, they're not in control right. of the houses and all this, and that's just a lot of nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, if a person was educated and knew what was going on behind the scenes, they could see exactly all the old tricks that the Illuminati are pulling. And But, but the problem is, no one recognizes these things for what they are, so most people will fall for it. Right. Well, I mean, the... the uh the, the numerous crimes of the Bush administration are, 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 are pretty easy to notice, and um, their supporters are, are ra- rather transparently bad. And so then, but then the, the Democrats are a little bit slicker, in my opinion, because they, they're, it's easy to, to just stand up and say, I'm against Bush, uh, and I'm against, and if, and if we had me, you know, me and my party in there, then, uh, you know, we would really set things straight. Um, but it doesn't really get at the underlying um, how fact that both sides keep you know you know profit from the system as it is, uh, where you know wars and um, social injustice are rife, and uh, so it just seems like it's it's like a lose lose proposition. So um, I mean, I'm kind of curious when it comes around. I don't know if you're registered to vote or even if it's worth. Is it is it in your opinion, is it even worth to go with some third party? Is it, is there any kind of political remedy beyond uh, beyond your you know being educated? Okay, we know we you know you and I and, and maybe uh, a one percent of the people or two percent, maybe five percent, maybe sixteen percent are, are are getting are getting hip to the scheme. Um, that's not voting. You know, we can't vote. You know, we don't have the voting power. And even if we did, it seems like they're largely controlled elections like you know the the counting is with the diebold and things so kind of curious what your sort of take on traditional um change in that way is well unfortunately no one runs as an independent conservative because that's what i like to call myself i've called myself that ever since i left the illuminati i know um that the smoke screen uh between um this um senate and the republic um that it, as I said, it's just a smoke screen. If you look at the end results, it usually comes out to be the same no matter what. Um, right now, if you remember about a month ago when I had spoken to you, I warned that um, Nancy Pelosi, who wants to become the Speaker of the House, that wonderful lady who tries to set herself up as a uh, loving, caring, grandmother-type figure, um, that um, she would, and if she could um, get... Um, her cronies into, you know, the houses, they would definitely make a move to impeach Bush. I told you that a month ago. Uh-huh. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I've already heard three to five different times right now that they're already going through mock 
trials of what they would do because they're so sure that they're going to win both houses okay. so that they could indeed um, go after Bush. Now, this is one of the um, dumbest, cheapest shots I've heard of in ages. And I say it's dumb because right now, if they um, get both houses and Nancy Pelosi becomes the first Madam Speaker of um, the House, mm-hmm. they're going to keep everyone completely distracted from the main um, issue at hand, and that is winning the war in Iraq. Okay? It, it would take at least a year to get everything up and running to where they could actually begin um, impeachment procedures and all this, but they can um, present the papers nevertheless and keep Bush and Dick Cheney so busy that they won't have time to focus on the problems at hand. Right. And, well, what would winning in Iraq look like? Oh, and before I, I, I let you answer that, I just wanted to throw it out there. If anybody is listening live, uh, you should hit us up at uh, the Yahoo or AOL Instant Messenger. It's Radioactive SD is the call sign. So if you have a question for Doc Marquis, uh, we'll pass it along. Radioactive SD. Okay, so, I'm, I mean, when people talk about, oh, yeah, winning in Iraq, I think winning would just be letting Iraq take care of itself and just leave. Well, it, it looks like it at one hand, um, but we have to remember, in Iraq, um, they have the second largest oil fields in the world. Right. Okay? Now, think about this. If, if the um, Taliban and the Hezbollah and all those wonderful Muslim followers of Allah who want to go on suicide mission actually gain control of, you know, the second largest oil fields in the world now, They've got all the funding that they need to not only keep themselves and their militias going indefinitely, but they'll be able to buy uh, more than enough uranium-235 um, to start making their own um, nuclear weapons. Yeah, but you can't tell me that, that those people are, are truly, that, that the Islamic fundamentalist terrorist threat is a, is a real thing. It's not. That's also a creation of the Illuminati. Right. That's the smokescreen I was talking about. They will use this to their advantage to cause... You see, the eventual goal at this point for the Illuminati is to create so many wars that people will literally accept peace at any price. Oh, okay. And when you tie people down like that enough, and you just keep wearing and wearing and wearing them down, it's just like, you know, a little child who, you know, is throwing a temper tantrum, and the parent eventually gives in. Um, The people of America will get so tired of all these wars that they will want to accept peace at any price. And that's the sad thing about it. People don't realize that that's one of the reasons why there's so many wars going on. And with the threat of nuclear weapons and a whole arsenals now, my goodness, people um, will um, run even faster to come up with any solution to stop the insanity and say, okay, fine, you know, yeah, let's, let's do this, let's do that, you know, so long as we stop the war. Let's capitulate, let's give in, let's, you know, do whatever they want. Huh. And and um, so then it'll be it'll be peace at any price, and it'll be their peace. And then... Oh yes, the Illuminati's peace. Right. 
And what what's what what does that look like? I mean, what's the end goal? What's the what's the end game for uh, in, well, their, in their mind? Well, the end game um, for the Illuminati can be found, believe it or not, on the back of a one dollar bill. Oh, is that right? Yeah, those two seals on the back of a one dollar bill. Those aren't your seals. Those were created by the Illuminati. I've seen Illuminati documents with both those seals on it. Mm-hmm. All right. I have never once seen any official U.S. document with the seal. Right. If they are a seal, by law, any um, treaty, any um, amendment, any ratification to amendment and such must bear both those seals. Yet, you can't come up with one. And the reason is because they are not the United States. Those are the Illuminati. And among other things, on the back of those two seals, there are three hexagrams which constitutes a 666. It's no accident, trust me. All that was purposely designed um, so that um, by the time Congress accepted them back in 1789, it was easy pickings then for the Illuminati. Uh It really was. So, but, you know, for someone like uh, me who's, that has a um, a very small resistance uh, in my you know one day out of my out of my week, I I come and um, you know talk about uh, unpopular beliefs and uh, heretical ideas. Um, I you know what would that what what would that look like then for me? I mean, or or people like me who who have a, a certain amount of of resistance and activism. Uh, uh, or follow their conscience. Well, the Illuminati already have plans for that. Um, I'll get to that in a second. One thing I want to finish off with on oh. the last thing. Okay. Um, the eventual end for the Illuminati is to create a one world, new world order. Right. This is what they want. If they're going to create a one world religion, a one world financial system, under a one world dictator. Now, um, okay. You know, when I was a when I was a small child, I I, I thought that I actually thought about that and I thought well that would be kind of a, a good thing wouldn't it we would all just get along and and well, wouldn't it would it be... be nice if we <laughs> ended up with a Star Trek the next generation right. society yeah exactly right except the thing is that's not going to happen nothing like that will ever come to pass nothing's going to change until the human nature has changed and those people in the Illuminati their so called human nature has been around for over 4,000 years they want it all, and they're not going to stop until they have it. Right. So, um, and, and that's what it seems like to me. It seems like it's it's world peace for the people at the top of the pyramid, and it's world suff- suffering uh, for the people below. Well, yeah, because below. the Illuminati, remember, their view of your humanity is, if you're not one of them, you're nothing but chattel. Right. That's it. You can be bought and sold and traded for anything. That's all you are is human livestock or chattel. Uh, is is um, a huge population kill down uh, part of the uh, yes. solution? Yes. I mean, for that's, them? That's why um, these so called um, diseases that have sprung out of nowhere, like AIDS, Ebola, and the others, uh-huh. check the history of them carefully. Those are uh, man made. Yeah. Okay? They do this, and if you notice, they've only. Um, they've only um, put them in certain areas where they can easily measure how much damage it can um, do. And they want to make sure that um, this is a measurable cause and effect. Whoa, your phone is kind of freaking out there. <laughs> it's the weather. Oh. 
brought up, yeah. Um, just like, you know, look at all those poor millions of people in South Africa that had been um, stricken with Ebola. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was an Illuminati contrived occurrence. That's all it was. It's the same thing with AIDS. Sure. They are looking to measure this cause and effect. This way, they know when it's time for them to unleash these weapons on a global scale, they know, almost down to the letter, approximately how many people it will affect. Um, wow. So, um, but there's still, um, I mean, how much of the population uh, are we talking about that's, that's sort of, that's well, on right that side? Well, right now, mm-hmm. um, it's believed that, um, and this is interesting, there was, I think, a report back in the early 60s that stated, um, um, by the time we reach 6 billion, the world would be um, too big for us to sustain. Right. You know, it's interesting. If we look at America itself, America, literally speaking, is the breadbasket of the world. If we want, we could actually feed the entire population of the world without a problem. We really could do it. Uh-huh. But the Illuminati, in their so-called wisdom, um, wants to drop the world population down to three billion. That's what they believe is a reasonable and a sustainable number. Three billion? Yes. Wow. In other words, one out of every two people we see on the street tomorrow, um, they want to execute. Uh, and what's, I mean, and so, but everyone's talking about maybe uh, that this year 2012. What What's the timetable for some of this stuff that's going down? I mean, because it seems like there's a quickening going on. There's something going on with 2012, especially if we look at all the ancient records, uh-huh, um, sure. the prophecies, everything. Right. There's something that's coming about in 2012. Now, from what I remember in my days in the Illuminati, 2012 is when they expect to um, cause a major um, paradigm shift. They're going to literally, according to their timetable, be in a perfect position at that point, everything should be in place to where they can um, unleash um, literally hell on earth and start taking it um, no matter who tries to stop them. I have a a quick question for you about um, this guy that's coming out recently. Uh, He was on the Greg Szymanski show. His name is Leo Zagami. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he claims to be um, a former member of the Italian P2 and uh, so was a part of the Illuminati. Do you know anything about him? Or? No, I'm not okay. familiar with him. Okay, it's kind of a pretty recent thing on the Internet. It's sort of going around. Uh, and what's his name again? Leo Zagami, Z-A-G-A-M-I. He was a DJ out in uh, Italy and then, I guess, was involved in... Um, P2 and stuff like that. Well, it wouldn't surprise me too much because, let's face it, um, that area, um, that's where the mafia came from. Sure. Okay. Well, not came from, I should say, was started. You see, the uh, mafia itself was started by the second head of the organization of the Illuminati, known as Giuseppe Manzini. Now, Manzini, what he did, and this was um, during the 1830s after um, Dr. Adam Weishaupt had passed away, um, he um, took the, um, the most powerful, the most influential families in Italy at that time informed them into what we nowadays call the Mafia. 
Right. Okay, some people refer to them as mob. Mafia is just an anagram. Okay, it, it's... First one is Menzini. My Italian's off right now. Um, I can't think of the rest, but it was formed by just um, Menzini himself. So that um, they had in um, that area, among other things, um, they were aiming to um, try to get um, their people, believe it or not, um, involved in... Um, um, oh, what's the head of the Catholic Church in Rome? The Pope? Um, the Pope. Um, what the, what, what's it called? The, um, Vatican? Vatican, thank you. <laughs> I said memory slipping a little right now. It's the old age, I think. But, oh, yes, and they've got one of their people in there all the time now. Uh-huh. And, um, but um, as far as um, well, something happening in Italy, okay. um, it's probably, um, it has to be um, connected to the Illuminati one way or the other. That's one of their stomping grounds. Wasn't um, I, and I'm kind of curious. Wasn't the Jesuits involved? I mean, was I mean, I'm kind of curious your opinion about uh, where the Jesuits fit in and, and the and the Catholic Church. Uh, oh yeah, the, um, the Jesuits um, um, at first, um, as you well know, was started by the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to be um, basically an educational um, group of priests. Okay. Right. However, um, their power became very corrupt. They, um, um, they themselves um, were amassing way too much money. They were sticking their noses in political affairs, and they were controlling um, too many things outside of their sphere of normal influence. And there was um, such um, an outcry from um, different kingdoms and countries at that time that in 17, um, hold on, 1773, the order of the Jesuits had been disbanded by the Pope. Now, interesting enough, when the Pope did that, he created one of the um, um, one of the most hideous monsters um, that the world would ever know. You see, at that time, um, Adam Weishaupt was a Jesuit priest, and that was 1773. Oh, okay. Okay. So, what happened? Because this man was one of the intellectual giants of his day and age, and probably the greatest occultist of his day and age, he was approached by Maya Amschel Rothschild uh-huh. and um, 12 of his um, financial friends. Basically, they told him, you put it together, we'll back it. And Adam Weishaupt had an act to crime against the Catholic Church at that time for what they did to him. As far as throwing the Jesuits out and publicly humiliating them, because he was one of them at one time. Mm. And so after three years had gone by on May 1st, 1776, he had organized what was best understood as the modern-day version of the Order of the Illuminati. He actually pulled it together. Okay. So, and, and then those those structures of power still remain, like the Jesuits still remain in a certain amount of, uh, of influence and authority on the planet as well as... Oh, yeah. Once he mm-hmm. had um, succeeding in putting it all together, he made sure that eventually the um, order of the Jesuits um, would be um, brought back together, whether um, the Catholics or anyone else liked it or not. Uh-huh. Okay. As I said, he had a major act to grind, and he was not about to take it. Right. Um... Yeah, because it's 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 always curious to me. It's like um, 
of, of when trying to figure out who the who the enemy is, uh, um, at least you know on the, the, who that has a body. <laughs> Sometimes I, it's, it might be a spiritual war that we're fighting, but uh, like people that were uh, that we can actually identify. It, it seems important to uh, know who who who, were, uh, who the real enemy is. Um, um, so if you can, I mean, beyond let's say the the Jesuits. Um, what other organizations or people uh, are in high levels of power? Oh, an easy one, Skull and Bones. Uh-huh. I'm sure most people um, have heard of that one by now. Sure. Uh-huh. That is nothing but an Illuminati recruiting ground. Okay. They, that was started by them because um, they wanted to start producing um, high-profiled um, people who would eventually end up in megacorporations or politics. Right. with a one-world education. In other words, their mind is, is slated, and, you know, slanted towards a one-world, one-government um, viewpoint. Right. This is what they want because this is their eventual goal. Another place um, would be um, Oxford in England, mm-hmm. where you can um, receive a Rhodes Scholarship. Sure. Those people who are receiving Rhodes Scholarship are also receiving this One World, New World Order um, mentality teaching. Hmm. Um, um, any of the major think tanks right. you can think of. The Brookings um, Institution, the Ford Foundation, the um, CFR. The they, oh my goodness, oh, if we get into the CFR and other things, we'll be here forever. <laughs> because um, it's... Um, they created the Council on Foreign Relations to begin with. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, let me assure me that would have been the first person who was secretary was the big new Brzezinski. Right. And um, everyone found out eventually the guy was a um, commie. Right. But you see, um, that's nothing unusual because if you look at communism, it's the same thing as Illuminism. It's the exact same philosophy. The only thing the communists um, don't openly profess is Lucifer. Oh. The communist um, belief system and everything behind it is um, what was created by the Illuminati. Lenin, Marx, and the others were nothing but pawns that they put out in the front so um, people um, could see them and they could hide in the background. Right. That's all they ever do. There's always a smokescreen you've got to get through if you're going to see what the Illuminati's going to. Right. And um, the sad part is... Um, um, when they were shipping um, Lenin out of the country and um, kicking him out and all this, he was actually given, and history will prove me right on this, um, $20 million worth of American gold sent back to Russia so that um, he and the others could successfully um, finance and um, create the Bolshevik Revolution. Right. It was all, it was all because of that. Huh. And that was given by the, the folks in Wall Street? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, $20 million worth. Hey, guess what? We won it. Well, guess what? Those people in Wall Street are Illuminati puppets also. Sure. You know, uh, most of them are in it. Uh, and that's just, you know, when we talk about the Council of Foreign Relations. In this uh, um, Royal Institute of International Affairs. Um, the um, Tavistock? Excuse me? The, th- the Tavistock group? No, uh, yes. Um, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Right. Tav- um, let's see. Um, hold on. Let me just think here for a second. As I said, old age is getting the better of The United Nations um, was um, created by the Illuminati because um, they were foiled 
um, when they were trying to create um, the League of Nations. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my goodness. They were ripping at that one because they thought um, for, that they had it for a fact. However, um, they, the Illuminati, they're very patient in their um, plans. They have to be. Um, so eventually what happened, they did succeed in um, creating the um, United Nations. And an interesting um, thing about the United Nations, of course, we know that Rockefeller um, bought the um, land for it, correct? Sure. Okay. Now, of course, the Rockefellers are involved in this. I don't think I have to, you know, go on a limb for that one. I think everyone knows that one. Um, interesting enough about the land that they bought um, for the United Nations, would you like to take a wild guess what that place was before the United Nations built invested on it? I already know. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, it was a slaughterhouse. Now, why does that make a difference? Because millions of gallons of blood were spilt to the ground. Huh. And sacrifice is a major part of any major occult religion. Well, let's talk about that. I want to get into the, the, the sacrifice issue. You said that you were involved in human trafficking. Now, was this human trafficking meant specifically for human sacrifice? Um, depended on the owner. So, yes, and also, whatever, just sex slave or personal slaves? Mm -hmm. It just depends on what the new owner's taste was. But uh, sacrifice, both ritualized and actual real human sacrifice was going on, and other kinds of sac blood sacrifices with, with goats, and I would assume, and things like that. As a regular occurrence on yeah, see, holy uh, Illuminati holy days, right? Right. You see, there are eight major nights of human sacrifice on the Illuminati calendar that are always observed. So I know if, ands, or buts about it. The last one you ju uh, that the Illuminati observed would have been on September 21st. Okay. Well, what's but, that day? I'm sorry. What's that day? Oh, that's the night of um, Maven. What's it called? Maven. Maven. Okay. Now the next one coming up is Samhain. Right. Okay, now Samhain is a three-day fire festival. It's held October 29th, the 30th, and 31st. Mm -hmm. Most people in America here call it um, Halloween. Okay? Um, but if you take and look at everything, um, how people are practicing this so-called um, holiday, right. um, what they have no idea is that every single facet about it um, is steeped in a cult. Ritual. Okay, well, like, for example, the going door-to-door, -door, rigging... I mean, this is what I know. I mean, this is when I grew up... I mean, I grew up in a Methodist church, and my parents were fine about me putting on my Casper mask and going door-to-door, -door, knocking on, saying trick-or-treat and getting candy. And that's all I knew of, of Halloween. And in the last 30 years, since I've become an adult, it's become so much... Like, it t takes over the entire month of October, and it's becoming this huge industry, and it's just like all, it's like, it's like there's all this media about it, and it's become a just this huge deal, when before it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is Halloween, we go out and get candy from the neighbors. Maybe t tell us a little bit about that particular part of that night, I mean, the, where the public consumption is, okay. and then also the under, underside of it. Easy enough. Um, if anyone's got paper and pencil listening right now, and they want to write this down, they better write quickly because this is um, this is going to be a lot of information in, in a short time. Sure. 
Um, now, originally, let's uh, let's go back um, to the early um, early days of this um, of America when the Pilgrims first landed on um, the shores. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that they um, um, forbid the practice of Easter and Halloween? I they didn't. forbid it I didn't know because that. they knew their cult um, history to it, and that and that went along with Christmas also. Those were out. Now, let's take a look at the history, the true history. Make sure you talk into the mic. Your, your phone is kind of scratchy. Okay. How's that sounding? It's a little bit better. All right. Let's get into the true history of Halloween right now, or what's properly known as Halloween. Okay. Now, um, from 900 B.C. to about around 980 in Great Britain, where I'm from, um, there was a group of nomadic um, tribal people known as the Celts. Um, the Celts themselves literally um, held power um, for almost 1,800 years in Great Britain. Um, um, their warriors were so fierce and so barbaric that twice they held off the famous Roman legionnaires and extracted tributes from Rome. That's how fierce um, their fighters were. Now, they had a um, priestly class known as the Druids. The Druids themselves literally held all power and authority. You could not get married without their permission. You could not hold a tribal permission. Um, to be, um, hold a tribal Yeah. yeah. You could not, um... That's, I don't know if that's your phone or mine, but if you could do whatever you can on your side, if you could... There it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, as I said, you could not, um, get married without the Druid's permission. You could not, um, hold the tribal position without permission. You couldn't go to war without the Druid's permission. Um, you couldn't attend any of the rituals, um, the religious, um, ceremonies, I'm here. I'm, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know if it's the, this particular connection or the phone you're on, but maybe we should, I should try calling you back. Okay, wait a second. How's this? Is that any better? Well, I guess. Okay. Well, let's just um, see what happens. Okay. Anyway, the two held all authority. Now, um, they also were um, religious leaders. Eight nights a year, they would perform the rites of human sacrifice. Now, one in particular that you call has a very bloody What they would do, um, during, um, during the night, those three nights of um, South, they would, um, literally speaking, um, go throughout the countryside, knocking um, door to door on various castles, mansions, manor, homes of usually um, home of wealthy people. They would knock on their door. Wow, it's really getting bad. Like, I, I think that you know, if we have a listener, I don't, I don't. I think that they will be. It's getting really kind of hard to hear. Okay, uh, how's this now? Well, it's Any better? Not a whole lot. I don't know what it is. It could be the connection. Yeah, let me just let me just try um, calling you right back. All right. And I'll just okay. We'll just call you right back. All right. Okay. Bye. Yours 
apologize to all your listeners, but unfortunately this is the only way I can communicate right now because I'm in hiding again. Right. You know. So that's a much better connection now. Yeah. Okay, so you were you were talking about how some, I, I didn't quite get who was going door to door now. Okay, this, this uh, let's take this uh, again a little bit from the beginning. Okay? Yeah, yeah. They do it uh, on the 29th. 30th and 31st, the Druid class, the priests of the Celts now. Right. Um, they would literally um, go from door to door to these various castles, mansions, manors, home of the wealthy people. And they would um, bang on their front door, and as I asked you before, guess what they would yell out? Trick or treat! you got to believe it. <laughs> and that was a two-part expression that sent waves of terror to anyone inside of those places, because... The, tri- um, the treat was, if the lord of the mansion cooperated with the druids, he would take someone from his own household, usually a servant, and if he didn't have one there at the time, he would grab one of his own family members, pass them over to the druids to be used as a human sacrifice offering to Lord Samhain, the Celtic lord of the dead. Oh. And as a reward, here's the treat, they would leave. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, they would leave either a pumpkin or um, a turnip that had been previously hollowed out, filled with human fat, and they would light it and leave it on the front door. This way, the people inside would be protected from all the demonic forces that they would be summoning that night. Now, the trick was, if you didn't cooperate with the druids, they would take blood from a dead body that they'd been dragging around the countryside on a cable toe with them. They would take the blood and draw a six-pointed star with a circle around it, known as a hexagram. Now, that's not to be confused with the Star of David or the Jewish sign. That is completely different. Right. The hexagram would be drawn on the front door, and someone would usually be driven um, 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 to death from fear from what had been summoned that night. Hmm. And um, the Druids, after being out of the countryside for like a demon that would be something. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And would that demon like then possess them or just haunt them for that night or or just ki- I mean you know I'm kind of curious about this whole. Usually the person would end demonic. up possessed and end up killing themselves. Okay. You know or um, the servants or the head of the household would have to kill the person. Right. You know, okay. um, times are different and um, we didn't have drugs you know to calm them down. Right. But what happened, um, four to six hours later, the um, Druids would uh, meet back at the stone circles, as I said, like um, Stonehenge or places like Avesbury. And this is an important thing. Um, underneath um, Stonehenge alone, archaeologists have already unearthed more than 4,000 human skeletal remains. Oh, wow. And, and that's a small stone circle. The one in Avesbury, that one's more than a mile in circumference. So you can imagine the tens of thousands that's buried underneath that one. Right. And this was because of the Druids. Mm-hmm. Now, um, um, during that week of Samhain, um, a couple of days before um, the 29th, they would send their followers, the, um, the Picts or the, um, members of the Celtic tribe, to go out and gather wicker weed, um, uh, yeah, wicker reeds. You know, um, the type of um, wicker reeds that you can make furniture out of. I got it. Mm -hmm. Right, very strong and durable if you know what you're doing with Mm -hmm. it. And they would make a huge human edifice out of it, usually 20 to 30 feet tall, and they would call it, it was known as the Wicker Man. Right. And when the Druids came back um, from their um, nocturnal visitations, they would take 
those human sacrifice, or I should say people who are going to be offered up as human sacrifice offerings, and place them in that wicker man. There was hmm. multiple cages throughout the whole thing. And if there was any leftover, oh, leftover hey, they had um, little cages set aside that they would throw the extra in. I hate to put it to you this way, but that's what they did. Now, there's a new movie that just came out. It was, I think it was called... Um, the Wicker Man. Oh, it was called The Wicker Man. Okay. It was the remake of the old... Of the 1970 version mm -hmm. one? Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, as it says, I've been in hiding. I haven't seen it. Um, but the, um, what they would do, um, um, they would take, and this is where they, um, the Illuminati would start playing their version of Halloween fun and games. Um, before they left, um, for those four to six hours, they had a huge cauldron that had been filled up with an apple cider-like substance, okay? okay? And they had that thing boiling away for four to six hours. So when they came back, this is where they would play their version of fun and games, as I was saying. They would take some of those um, people who were slotted um, to be murdered that night, okay. put them in a line, and they would take one apple and throw it into that um, cauldron. And they would tell the person, if you can take that apple out in between your teeth on the first try, you can go home. But this is boiling hot apple cider. At 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Exactly. Wow. So if the person succeeded, <laughs> literally their face was melted off their flesh. Or, you know. Right. Um, it, I mean, in the medical problems that they would have to face afterwards if they survived the ordeal was horrific. Think of, you know, the hearing loss, the, um, if their eyes were boiled away, the tongue, everything. Right. Okay, now, if the person did not succeed on the first time, the... Um, Druid priests would have them thrown on the ground, and they would be headed immediately for failing. Now, afterwards, um, after they played their various um, games and such, um, they would um, have all these people um, tied in um, into the um, Burning Man or the Wicked Man, and they would call upon Kernos, the, um, the demon lord of fire, in their belief system, um, and literally those cages and everyone in it um, would catch on fire, and those people, quite honestly, were, was um, burned to death. That's how they met their um, nights of human sacrifice, those people who were murdered. And these, now, now think about this for a second. This is um, the, t the two origins of Halloween. Now, if we compare them to what's going on nowadays. Right. Okay. Oh, one, um, before I forget, let me add one other thing to the story. Okay, great. Um, because um, those three nights um, uh, form a crossroads in the, in the occult world, and by a crossroad, um, uh, let me give you an example. Um, a crossroad um, coming at it from an occult mentality would be like um, where the beach ends and the um, sea begins. Okay. That's a crossroad. Okay. Where um, the um, mountains are, the tip of the mountain to where the um, sky begins, that's another crossroad. Uh -huh. Okay. There are also what's known as um, um, crossroads of time. Okay. In other words, um, on the 29th through the 31st, it's believed that the veils separating this world from the next are at their thinnest. Right. In other words, a crossroads. And they believe that the dead can come over and visit them during those nights. Okay. Now, 
nothing guaranteed that those spirits that they were trying to contact would be benign. See, they would light these bonfires so that they would act as a signal for the spirits to cross over and talk to these people. So in order to control them, the druids um, devised these hideous masks and outfits so that um, those coming over would think that they were powerful demons and devils and that they were not to be messed with. Now, when we look at the modern-day rendition of Halloween, every single part of it has the original occult trapping behind it. People going out, knocking on doors, yelling out trick-or-treat, um, the jack-o'-lanterns, um, the costumes right. that um, the priests had devised and all this. Um, to this very day, people are holding seances, still trying to contact Harry Houdini on October 31st. Right. You know, a- anything you can come up with, right. the bobbin for apples, name it, right. is all um, originated in their cult. And... I don't care if people try to candy coat this or not and say, well, you know, we're just having fun and games and all this. Excuse me, people. I don't care what you want to try to call it. I don't care how you want to try to cover or conceal it. It is still um, part of the occult religion, specifically one of the eight nights of human sacrifice. And I'm not about to let the Christians off the hook on this one either. See, I'm a, as I said, I'm a born-again Christian also. Uh-huh. I'm not about to let any of my brothers and sisters off the hook either because they um, have candy-coated it and try to call it um, a harvest festival. Right. Well, excuse me, I've got news for any of them who may be listening, and I'm not saying this mean-spirited. Um, but the fact of the matter is, not every person in the Celtic tribes or the um, followers of that religious system back then could make it to places like Stonehenge or Avesbury or any of the other um, megalithic stone circles. Sure. So that what they would do, they would hold similar ceremonies and um, have a village elder officiate over it. And you want to take a guess at what they called it? What? A harvest festival. Oh. And that's exactly what... Um, um, the Christians are calling it nowadays, when they try to bring people in off the street, and um, they're still bobbing for apples, um, wearing costumes, using clay papers that are orange and black, which are the t- two traditional occult colors for this season. Right. It's all the same. There's but, no escaping it. Wh- so I'm kind of curious, though, when did, when did this... This, uh, these kinds of practices start and, and why? I, I mean, are, are, you're, are you talking like pre, pre-history, like, like really far back? Are we talking... Well, we, okay, the um, original co-founders of the first religion on the face of the earth, and it was not Judaism, mind you. Uh-huh. People think Judaism is the oldest religion. It is not. It is witchcraft. And it was started by Nimrod and his mother, Semiramis, in Babylon. Right. We're talking the original Babylon with the Tower of Babylon and all that. Right. That's where it all began. And these guys were possessed by evil. I mean, they were evil, right? I mean, that's... You know, um, that's, putting it, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> okay, yes. so then I'm kind of... Okay, then at that time, before there was, you know other, you know, what we would call Western religions, there were good people. I mean, there, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and didn't those good people have, you know, you know, celebrations and ceremonies and maybe even harvest, fe- you know, celebrating the harvest for them amongst themselves and, and the clans that they had? I mean, there were. Oh, yes. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but the difference is, um, 
no one held a human sacrifice. Well, sure. That, that's mean, what makes you good, is by not could, having... <laughs> we could um, say that first there was harvest festivals and all this, but unfortunately, before plants and other people started having these celebrations and observing um, certain times, witchcraft had already been around for thousands of years. Okay. And had already begun all this, and were um, practicing the rites of human sacrifice. This is where... Um, um, you now get uh, um, these major occult religions. Now, a lot of the um, pagans, the Wiccas, right. the Earth Mother religions, they're going to say, um, well, we have no devil in our religion, we don't worship Satan and all this, right. which is true. But um, uh, most of the major um, occult religious um, beliefs still stem and come straight from those days in Babylon. They but, can't escape that. Okay, that's fine. But in your opinion, uh, coming from uh, you know your your history and where you are now as a born again Christian, there in, in your opinion, there's no such thing as a as a a, a good witch or a, a good Wiccan or a good. What pagan. I think that there is is a lot of um, misguided people with good intentions. Okay. And the problem is, no one wants to go out there and talk to them. No one. Because um, the biggest excuses I get when um, I'll ask um, my father, uh, my brothers and sisters in the um, born-again Christians, I'll ask them, how come you haven't been witnessing to them or talking to them about Jesus Christ or whatever? They'll say, do you know what they do? Right. Uh, do you know how scary they are? Well, first of all, yes, I've got a very good idea what they do. <laughs> I was raised in it. I was doing it for 20-something years myself. Right, right. Okay, people? Let's get over it. These people are not going to, you know, change or do anything unless you do something about it. Right. That's what it comes down mm -hmm. to. But the, but the thing is, you see, I know to this very day um, a lot of people in various occult religions. Uh -huh. I've been, now, again, I'm not trying to preach here. So for those who aren't born-again Christians, just bear, bear me through for a couple minutes. Here. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of these people, yes, they have good intentions and all this, but I, but, uh, from my perspective, I think that they're terribly misguided, okay? And um, to this very day, I know people in, um, in um, just about every single major occult religion you can think of that I've been trying to reach, witness to, and all this, and it's something that the ministry I run, we're going to keep doing until, you know, the Illuminati finally get their hands on me or until God calls me home, whichever happens first. Okay. Um, well, since that uh, that deconstruction of Halloween was so interesting, uh, maybe you can go into some of these other. Uh, you said something about Easter being another one of their. Oh my goodness! Um, uh, you know, I, what amazes me is that um, if you look in the Bible, mm -hmm. um, you will find so many of these ancient pagan practices and beliefs that we now call Easter or Christmas that God Himself had forbidden anyone to practice. It, it's incredible no one's reading this. I mean, like, if we just look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verses um, 1 through 5, and I think it's 1 through 4, but it's 1 through 5 possibly. There was seven words God um, um, spoke. He says, learn not the way of the heathen. Okay, he says, don't do what these people are doing. Right. And you go down there, and this is what it says. It talks about how someone will go out into the forest with an axe, cut down a tree, bring it home, nail it upright, 
jacket with gold and silver. Now, what is what has I what what did I just describe? Christmas Thank trees. You. Yes, people. No matter what you want to call it, that's a Christmas tree. This is an ancient occult practice. This begins on December twenty first. The Catholic Church, however, moved it to December twenty fifth. Okay, and if we look at the practices again of Christmas, um, you'll find out that they that it's nothing but the old occult religions all over again. And mind you, God Himself said in Jeremiah chapter ten, it's right there, verses one to five. Read it for yourself. You're not supposed to be doing this. Well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, folks out there uh, who have. Um, influence like um, Jordan Maxwell or Michael Tessarian or people like this who who would say, uh, well, Christianity is nothing more than just a continuation of these pagan things and and to be or I mean, maybe I'm putting I don't want to put words in their mouth, but as I understand it, the the, the argument goes that 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 um, Christianity itself is nothing more than just warmed over paganism with Jesus as the sun and the and the twelve disciples are the houses in the zodiac and and uh, things well, like that. Well, that part of it is stretching it, okay? Um, now, what, and I hate to say this, and again, I'm okay. not bashing anyone here. Okay, I, I'm okay? not making it personal on anybody. Right, you know, I'm not making this personal or anything. I don't want people to think I've got nothing better to do than to bash people. I don't. Okay. You know, um, but um, when it comes to the pa- paganization of Christianity, mm-hmm. no one's done it better than um, the um, Roman papacy itself. Exactly. You see, you, well, you have to understand, how that happened um, was that... Um, in 313 A.D., Constantine, who historically is the first pope. Now, a lot of people are going to say it's Peter. Uh-huh. Okay, it wasn't Peter. Right. Um, people will refer to the Bible and say that Christ said, Upon this stone I will build my foundation. They thought that um, they were, he was referring to Peter, right? Right. He couldn't have been because Peter's name in the Greek, which is Petra, means little pebble. Mm-hmm. You cannot build a foundation upon a little pebble. Okay? No, he was referring to um, the Christian movement itself. If you read the verses carefully, in the ones before and after, that was the topic. Constantine himself um, was a um, general who came over to the um, the Roman province in 313 A.D. And um, he, according to the records, saw an an ark in the heavens that said, In this sign shall you conquer. Okay? From the Latin, that's what it would have been translated as. Okay. Um, um, what happened then? Well, what he, does that mean? Seeing an ankh and say, from this sign you will conquer. What well, is that? what is the ankh? Oh, uh, that's a sort of a pagan symbol of... It looks like a cross with a loop on top, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except um, only a cultist will wear that, or should wear that, because that's a sign um, for reincarnation. Uh-huh. In the occult world, that's exactly what it meant. That's why... The pharaohs and um, their um, consorts, their wives, would wear that because they believed in reincarnation. Remember, when they died, he became reincarnated into the sun god. Right. He now became Ra, whoever, you know, um, that um, pharaoh would have been. That's where that symbol originates. It's an occult symbol. Sure. So anyway, so Constantine comes over, literally he takes over in 300, no, 313 A.D. Now, at that point, um, um, what, right before he went into battle to take everything, he had every single one of his soldiers paint the ankh on their shield, and he water baptized all of them and said, you are not Christians. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how it happened. Right. But the long and short of it is, he came in, um, took over, and by um, 323 A.D., he created, um, no, no, 313 A.D., was still there, I'm sorry. He um, 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 came up with what was known as the Decree of Tolerance or the Edict of Milan. In other words, you could no longer hunt down and burn the Christians or feed them to the lions anymore. Okay. That was out. Um, what he did, he had... Um, his, um, oh, and historically speaking, again, check this, it's in the book. Um, Constantine himself was a practicing pagan. He practiced, he practiced the ancient occult religions and worshipped all the old gods. And what he did, and, and I hate to put it to you this way, but to get the um, numbers um, rolling, he established um, a, a, what he called a state religion. That, that was in his own words, a state religion. So that um, what he did, he married... His old occult religion created um, and added, I should say, added and took into this new religion, um, referred to it as Catholicism, which um, means universal. And trust me, the pagans came in um, like mad because they saw their old gods were being worshipped. Right. Okay. And again, I am not saying this to be offensive, to be mean spirit or anything like that, but this is just the historical um, record. Right. That's what happened. I didn't cause it. I didn't do it, you know, so people <laughs> understand I am not bashing anyone here. Right. I was asked the historical fact, and that's it. Okay. Um, I'd, so then tell me a little bit about Easter then. Um, okay, Easter. Or some other uh, Illuminati holidays. Okay, well, if we go to Easter. Okay. Um, you find out that, among other things, again, we, we have to refer back to the Bible for this. In Ezekiel, we find out that an interesting um, ceremony was going on. These ladies um, were weeping and wailing um, in um, God's own temple now. It said in the house of God itself that they were weeping and wailing over the death of Tammuz. Uh, death of who? The death of Tammuz. That's T-A-M-M-U-Z. Oh, um, got it. Okay. Tammuz. Now, interesting enough, now, Tammuz was the um, son of um, Nimrod and Semiramis. Now, what people don't realize, and again, I'm going to be very careful with my wording here. To put it nicely, you see, Nimrod um, was the son of Semiramis. That was his mother, okay? Uh-huh. And, as I said, to put this as gently as possible, they were showing the same bedroom. Okay? Mm-hmm. Incest. Right. And um, they had an offspring, and they named him Tammuz. Now, when Tammuz was 40 years old, he was killed by a wild boar while he was hunting. Okay, you know hunting is the sport of kings and all that type of stuff. Okay. You know, that was one of their pastimes. Sure. Now, these ladies that was weeping and wailing in the temple for those uh, in um, the house of God himself now, um, that was a 40-day event that they would observe. And the reason it was 40 days was because every single one of those days represented one of the years in the life of Tammuz. That, among other things, is where you get the 40-day period of Lent for Easter. Uh Easter itself, um, um, what what happened, it was believed that at at Semiramis' death, um, before she died, she was proclaimed to be a goddess and Nimrod was supposed to be a god. Now, the belief um, stated that 
um, one year later, according to the um, Babylonian Talmud now, um, it stated that um, one year after Semiramis died, she came back um, from heaven. A huge multicolored egg fell out of the sky and landed in a pile of wicker reeds. Um, or, or I should say it landed in the Nile. It floated to and onto a pile of wicker reeds, and out of this egg, um, emerged the reincarnated form of Semiramis, the Earth Goddess, huh. or the Earth Mother. Interesting. And anyone, you know, um, who um, saw her um, received a special blessing. Okay. Now, of course, um, we can easily see where a lot of the Easter practice came from out of this alone. Uh -huh. The multicolored Easter eggs, um, the Easter egg hunt, um, Easter egg baskets, which are made out of the same wickery to this very day, um, oh, and um, um, do you know why people traditionally eat ham on Easter? Why is that? Because, remember, it was a wild boar that killed him oh, up. Right. What you are doing is killing the boar that killed their god. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And this is um, practice, and this belief, mind you, is practiced in the Illuminati to this very day. You know, you're worshiping the earth goddess now who's coming um, into her full glory. You see, now, interesting enough, do you know, now, I think um, mo most of your listeners who are Christians know that astrology is a forbidding occult practice. It's in the Bible numerous times. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever wondered why the dates of Easter change all the time? Yeah, I was I was always confused by that well, the whole calculus that they used to. Well, I can tell you how they calculate it. They, they, it's so easy to calculate. Um, watch how it happens this next time. You'll see I'm right. What happens is that, occultically speaking, what you do, you go to the um, to another night of human sacrifice, which is um, let me see, backtrack here. That would be March 21st. Okay, on um, on March March 21st, that's a night of human sacrifice. Now. The next full moon, after that night of human sacrifice, right? Uh -huh. Look for the next Sunday after that next full moon. That's when Christ is resurrected. Huh. That's how it's done. They have to use astrology, a forbidden occult practice by God himself, to determine when um, Christ rises from the dead again. <laughs> That's exactly how it's done. And no one can prove me wrong on that because that is a fact. You tried this year, March 21st. Look for the next full moon. Guarantee you the first Sunday after that first full moon, there's Easter. Wow. Well, I mean, I have to just say that, I mean, you know, it just seems like, in a way, it's like Christianity is so tied up in with all this, you know, what or maybe it's what, what was being passed off as Christianity is so tied up in, in, uh, in paganism that uh, it gives a lot of credence to people that say that Christianity is period, nothing more than warmed over paganism period end the end um but but you know you say that there is a difference and that's that's fine uh, uh, um i'm still you know man, my biggest problem really with um with fundamentalist christianity or maybe born again christians is is this sort of fatalism when it comes to the world we're in now and the rapture and such, and the, and rapture. the seven year tribulation period. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious of, of, of your, your, your position on, on the end times and the apocalypse and all that good stuff. Well, um, for, my, for my money, yes, um, uh, I adhere to that. I believe that there is going to be a rapture. Right. Okay? Now, a rapture, and this is where most people are getting things confused. 
Okay? Let me explain. Okay, let me, okay. if I was to ask you right now, what is a rapture? What would you tell me? Uh, people who make a uh, profession of faith get taken up to sit with God in heaven. Okay. <laughs> now, that's interesting enough, because that's what people are expecting, correct? Well, that's, what, that's how I understand it. You okay. have to say, I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and if you say those magic words, then God loves you, and he'll take you up, and, and if you don't say that, then you're damned. And you're, you well, have to that's go to becoming a born-again Christian. Let me explain what a rapture is. Okay. And for uh, most Christians out there, again, you better get your paper and pencil down. This is a good one. See, a rapture, um, there's only three things that constitute a rapture. And I'm saying a rapture. I'm not saying the rapture. Okay. See, there's been more than one rapture, but most people aren't aware of this because they're not looking, hmm. okay? And I'm not coming up with some type of heretical doctrine or a new theology. No. This is an old one, and it's in the Bible. A rapture consists of three and only three simple little things. God physically removing, outside of his impending judgment, those whom he declares to be righteous. Now, there is nothing more to it than that. Trust me. I don't care what doctrine you want to put on it, what theology, there's only three things. God physically removes, outside of his impending judgment, those whom he declares um, to be righteous. Now, knowing this, has there been raptures in the past? There has been many. If we just take a simple look at, um, let's say, the flood of Noah. Right. That's God had declared Noah to be righteous in his eyes. Uh -huh. God put him in the ark and kept him outside of his judgment, did he not? Right. Okay, let's go to the cities of um, Sodom, where um, Lot was. Right. Okay? God had um, not only sent angels there to get him out of there, if you read the whole of the text, you find out the end was the angels physically was dragging Lot and his family out there, and they said, and the angels themselves said, because God cannot bring down his punishment until you're out of here. Because, again, they were um, he was declared to be righteous. Okay. One of the best examples would have been um, Moses um, and the Ten Plagues. When Moses was confronting Pharaoh, we find out that all of Egypt was affected by the ten plagues. Yet, God had already physically removed every single one of his children into the land of Goshen, which is, you know, the neighboring um, place um, to Egypt. Mm -hmm. And in that area, they weren't touched by anything. God had physically removed them because God had declared them to be righteous. They were his kids. Okay. This next one that everyone's expecting, it's going to happen on a global scale. Why? Because according to the um, book of Revelation, 28 specific punishments are going to fall upon the face of the earth and affect the whole of the earth. Now, since God has never allowed the righteous to be judged with the unrighteous, there's no other option. He has to physically remove them all off the face of the earth because the whole of the earth will be affected this time. That what a rapture is. God physically removing, outside of his impending judgment, those who, be, those who declare to be righteous, and there's nothing more to it. Okay. And what does, I mean, what does righteousness then mean? I mean, it, I mean, I mean, what is God, how does God choose who, I mean, what, what's the criterion for his judgment of righteousness? Well, God declares righteousness to be those um, who follow him. Literally speaking, those nowadays um, as you just termed, anyone, um, how did you put it, you know, you say a couple magic words, you're yeah, not born again. Confessions of faith. Like Confession of faith, exactly. Realizing that um, 
You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by your way. You have to lean on God and do it His way. That's what it comes down to. Okay. And, um, again, when we look at um, the seven-year tribulation period coming up, it's interesting. Do you know that um, when we go to the book of Revelation, I believe it's specifically um, Revelation chapter 16, 17, 18, we find out that um, each one of those chapters, very specifically, talks about the three major things that constitute the existence of the Illuminati. Um, the one world religion, the one world government, and the um, one world financial system. Right. Those are in the um, book of um, Revelation specifically, uh, if I remember correctly, 16, 17, and 18. And I had no accident. Because when you look at um, what it says there, compared to the Illuminati, there is absolutely no difference. That's what's absolutely fascinating about it. And that was written almost 2,000 years ago. You can't, I mean, you, you can look at those three chapters, and you've got the, um, those three major things that give the Illuminati their power to this very day. Their politics, their religion, their finances. And um, we find out in Revelation chapter 13, they're going to create this one world religion. They're under a one world order, under a one world financial system. And woe be to those in, that, in, that, in those days and age um, who try to stand up against them. Well, I mean, but wouldn't you say that... Um that evangelical born-again Christians want, would like to see a one-world Christian religion? I'd love to see um, a one-world... Um, um, no, okay, let, first of all, let, let, let's, let's be careful with the term here. Um, I don't um, believe in religion, per se. Okay? Okay. Religion is man's way to God. Okay. God's way to man is through Jesus Christ. So I don't have a religion. I have what I call a definitive... Um, knowledge of God. It's not a belief. It's not faith. I'm at that point where, in my life, where it's not just, you know, I just think it is, or I believe it is. It's, no, I, it, it's, a, it's a fact for me. I mean, well, just as I, I breathing say, is a fact for I, you, well, you know... Um, wait, what's a fact for me? Just as breathing is oh, a fact right. for you, God is a fact for me. Now, well, is there going to be, um, eventually, a time where what you just described where the whole world is going to be under God. Yes, and um, after the tribulation, there's a period known as the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. That's when he establishes his kingdom upon the face of the earth. See, here's my thing. It's like, I agree with that last thing about religion and having a personal relationship with God. Right. And I get very suspicious when anyone demands that I make a, 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 a profession or confession of faith to them so that I get in their club or religion or whatever. I, I think that, that that your spiritual uh, understanding and your relationship with God is a very private and personal one. And the more people talk about religion, the more they're getting it wrong. And well, and so so if that's I, I get very kind of rebellious uh, and, and when people start wanting to impose their their their, their beliefs on their you. beliefs on me. Right. I, I, I you that. know I have my own. Thing that, that I feel like I'm being righteous to in, in, in my understanding of God, mm -hmm. and 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 that's about as far as I can take it. It's like I believe, you know, people say, "What do you believe?" I say, well, "I believe in God." Period. That's it. You want you know, so you start talking about these these different these like esoteric theological concepts. You know, I studied some theology in school and stuff, and I just find a lot of it just like it's it's male head tripping about you know about you know they're 
about their spiritual experience, which is cool and everything. But don't start, you know, I mean, I mean. Don't stop ramming it down my throat. Or, or it's not even ramming it down my throat. Don't codify it and then say that this is this is God's law. When you wrote, you wrote it, you're, you're a man and you wrote it down. And yeah, maybe there's some, there's some divine inspiration in there. And maybe I can get some value from it. And maybe there are sacred texts from people that really were in touch with something deep. And I can find, you know, it's like, but... It's it's when you it's when it's codified as as the, the the one right way and we have the real truth and you're you're damned and, and because you don't believe the same way we do that's I just seems like that's this where, where these wars and all these you know these problems come from it's it's wanting to get everyone it's it's centralization of, of control and power which I see is the main problem on the planet is people wanting to like you said the finances politics and religion and those want to be centralized well. Let me tell you um, a little story here. I think that will help you um, okay. understand wh- where I'm coming from. Okay? Yeah. I think okay. you're going to like this. Okay. Um, this one born-again Christian had died, and he went to heaven. Okay. okay? And he was being escorted through um, the very um, kingdom of God into his golden um, city and everything. Right. And while they were walking through the main palace, um, this born-again Christian heard on the left-hand side of this one door someone yelling, B-10, I-33. The angel looked at the born-again Christian and said, um, yes, those are Catholics. Some of them um, are up here. Okay. And he um, continued down the hallway. And on the right-hand side of the door, the born-again Christian heard um, these people going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And the angel looked at him and said, believe it or not, some of them made it up here. Okay. And just as they get to the next door, the angel turns to the born-again Christian and says, Now, you've got to be very quiet when we walk back here. He goes, Why? He goes, Well, those are the Baptists. They think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> right. So you see, in essence, what this story is telling us, I think that um, from all walks of life, people are finding God. Okay. Okay? Um, is there one mystical, magical formula? I think if a person finds God... There's a permanent connection. Okay. How's that? That's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's perfect. You can tell it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, okay, and I, I can live with that. You know, it's just like it's when, it's when there's this there's this judgment that, you know, you know people will break their own commandment by, by judging others because they think that they have God's truth and that they see other people that don't have their version of God's truth well, again, so then that they can judge others. Again, I commend their sincerity, but their methodology stinks at times. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, let's just let's get let's get it back to. I kind of want to just take it out of the religion thing and move back move back into the politics uh, a little bit because it is so much everywhere. People are so polarized uh, in their left right. Um, um, you point out the Republican Democratic Party. Right. So let's face it. Let's be honest right now. Both sides have failed miserably. Yeah. Okay. Especially with. Um, this war in Iran. Okay? Right. People, excuse me, if we went in there and just bombed them back to the Stone Ages like we should have to begin with, all this would have been said and done. Why do you, say, I, why do you say like we should have? They, well, I, was honestly, the, let me no... tell you, because right now, the Illuminati is just smoke-screening everything. And, you know, a fact. Here's a, here's a fact for you. Um, it's believed that the only way we get oil is through um, fossilized material, correct? Uh, well, that's in, deba- that's in debate. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because the truth of the matter is, 
um, and I've had people who worked um, for these major oil companies. They're the ones that go out, hunt down these oil fields and everything. They themselves say, it's not fossil fuel. That's not how it comes. The earth produces itself through the liquid hot magma at the earth's center. Okay. And, and, this and, is where the oil comes from. Right. And, and, and the, the earth renews it. It's not a one-time thing. This is a constant thing that's going on. Well, just like the Illuminati, you know, uh, hushed up Tesla's uh, free energy powers. Oh, my goodness. Power. If so we could just whole... apply what tes Nikola Tesla had given us, we would have free energy. Right, exactly. So this whole thing about, about oil, I think, is a ruse. And, 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 but I, 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 you, you start to sound, I mean... You're, the thing about religion, I can, I can, you know, accept. And but when you start saying, "Oh, we should have bombed Iraq into the Stone oh, Age," oh, makes, me, makes you sound it. like an ignorant fool to me. Oh, the reason I would have done it, <laughs> and remember, I'm ex-military, among other things. Okay. The reason I would have done it was because um, they, they um, right now could have the potential for um, building nuclear bombs, right? Well, so what and we really, do? And, and the same thing with <laughs> that Kim, Kim Jong Il. Right. That guy's really making me sick. What I would have done, I wouldn't necessarily have bombed them back into the Stone Age. I would have bombed every single site that they could have possibly launched a, a missile from. Um, this way, they couldn't um, use um, so-called um, nuclear bombs that they want to threaten us with. Though, now they Who's us? I mean, that's down. the thing. It's like, I, 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 and when you say threaten us, who's the us? I mean, the yeah, um, um, Well, I, I word just... has it that they were going to um, bomb not just their neighbors, but eventually the United States. Yeah, that was the propaganda. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Iran. Now, now, ex except let's look at what happened, you know, excuse me, 9-11 people. This really was an attack on, on America. By who? That's the good question, isn't it? We want to say it was the um, Taliban and um, all those wonderful people over there. Right. Okay? I'm not so convinced. At this point, I know the Illuminati has their hands in this somehow. Absolutely, I know of that when I see one, and I was the, in, and the, I was in the Illuminati too long. You see, what this? I mean, let, let's look. What would the Illuminati gain from this? Let's look at it from their perspective. Okay, what would they gain? Well, first of all, they get us involved in a war, sure. another war. Sure. Okay, people, this is just another war that's trying, that they're going to use to try to wear you down to where you're going to accept peace at any price. Second, well, my goodness, how fast did the oil prices shoot up? You know, how many billions and billions of dollars have already ended up in their pockets oh, sure. over the last five years? The, the war profiteering, the oil uh, mm -hmm. inflation, the you know, uh, insurance scams. There was a um, survey done. I can't remember it, which institute it was. Um, my memory is vague on that one. But it's a major leading institute, and they were asked a question. What is um, the most profitable way to make money? Okay? And this giant think tank, one year later, came back with their um, information and all the facts and everything they did, and they said the most profitable way to make an easy buck is war. Sure. That's what they said. And it is so incredible, the amount of money that's generated during war and all the profiteering that's done as a result. And as we just stated, yeah, I wonder um, how many billions the Illuminati have made out of this one alone. Right. I mean, it's clear to me that 9-11 that was... If, what if you want to? For, since we're using the term Illuminati, then let's use it as an Illuminati uh, 
psychological operation from the top to the bottom. There was no, and this whole uh, Islamic fundamentalism and the terror, Islamic uh, terrorist extremists, that's largely a creation of Western intelligence agencies. So, which is also a child of the Illuminati. So, this whole thing is one of the, what they call a self-inflicted wound, a false flag operation, so that's fine, whatever. I mean, it's, you can argue with me about whether or not it was, but it, it seems to me that from the from the evidence that that's the way it is. That's what they do. They just do this kind of stuff to to uh, promote their uh, their agenda. It's, you, you create uh, it's the Hegelian dialectic of the antithesis, you know, with the thesis Antith- and create this antithesis. Plus thesis equals so, no antithesis equals. What so, is that again? Thesis plus antithesis equals synthesis. synthesis so yes. and and um, you know the twin towers were representative of you know, Boaz and Jacob, you know the two pillars of Freemasonry. Of Masonry, right. Right. So it, it has all the hallmarks. It has all the numerology that they love. It's just got it all. So, but but beyond that, it's just like. When, when when they start using stuff with, with and so I'm gonna I'm a little confused by your sort of you know war sort of desire to bomb the Middle East, which I see as largely um, victims, and maybe the, maybe the, the people on the top are also involved in the Illuminati. I'm kind of curious. Well, uh, yes, um, um, most of those people in power are, and the reason I said I would um, bomb them is because I know what the um, what the Illuminati has done. I would go behind their smoke screen. Take out um, one of their major bases, take control of it, give it back to the people, and set up a government that they could run and, and um, free them from the hands of the Illuminati. That's why I said I would bomb it back to the Stone Age. Okay. I would take the I would take the Illuminati's well, power. Then maybe to we should bomb Washington D.C. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should bomb Washington D.C. and give the give the land back to the, our, the people, the Native Americans here. I mean, the people that are born here, the Native Americans, you know, the the people that live here, give it back to give America back to the Americans. Well, unfortunately, you know, um, that's not going to happen because every treaty we made with them, which is the highest. Well, I'm not law, talking about the red man. I'm talking about the people who live here now. I'm talking about the the the, the multi-ethnic. Native American people that live here now, the whites, the reds. Oh, we the could, well, that's why I'm still trying to educate people into the truth. You know, people, I believe strongly, and I always will believe, in the spirit of Americana. I think what um, was done back on June 4th, 1776, was one of the greatest things that ever happened. Because, interesting enough, you know, when um, the colony of um, New England broke away from their motherland, which was England. It was the first time that was ever done in history. Mm-hmm. No colony had ever broken away from its motherland, historically speaking, up to that point. That took more nerve, more daring than even I could have come up with. And I think it was fantastic. I believe in the spirit of Americana. I believe in America, but I also know for a fact that both of them are taking a major beating. And unless we as Americans do something to take it back, the Illuminati is going to take it for themselves. Well, I mean, uh, there, there, there's a theory that, that I've sort of looked at, and, and it seems it seems like it's possible that the, the whole idea of the, the formation of America was to be the, the new Atlantis, and, and that it was it was Illuminati from, from the, it, it was. the first... 
moment. Was, but um, we and we could have stopped. They, we could have so easily stopped them back then. And the only thing that present, prevents us from stopping them now is education. That's why I'm out there educating people to the best of my ability to tell them the truth of what has happened, what is going on, and right. what the Illuminati is planning to do. Right. Well, and just like the... right now, remember when um, we were talking about um, the political arena? Sure. Let me tell you again. I told you a month ago what would happen with Nancy Pelosi if she, if she ever... Um, um, tried for the seat um, for the Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. um, they would um, immediately start going after um, George Bush with impeachment. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said, already in the last couple of weeks, I've already heard three to five different times there that they've already set up mock trials to try to see how they would do it. Now, the reason they're doing that is because they want the blood. Yeah. The Democrats especially are out for blood um, because look at what happened to Clinton, the so-called golden boy. Right. He was on the verge of being impeached. Right. They want revenge. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you what's going to happen again. Um, let's say um, Pelosi actually managed to become Speaker of the House. Right. She's not only going to polarize all her buddies together. Yes, they're going to go up to Bush. And at the same time, this is going to make for one of the more interesting races in history because Hillary Clinton, as far as I see it, now I, I haven't heard her um, publicly declare it yet, but as far as I see it, she's going to make a run for the presidency. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no doubt about it. Sure. When she um, went to New York and became, you know, a, um, a um, resident there, we knew what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, it's just um, very possible that if, if and when um, Pelosi gets um, the Speaker of the House, she just may go after the presidency also. Hmm. She's going to go after um, um, Hillary. You're going to see one of the worst knockdown cat fights, fur flying um, things in history. That sounds interesting. I see <laughs> that is exactly what will happen. Wow. And this is going to make for such a wonderful diversion again. Right. Because the Illuminati can put out any other president at that point, and we'll vote on it. Oh, because right. we don't want, you know, any of those two cat fighters right. to lead um, the strongest nation in the world. Again, this is just smokescreen. But um, in this case, now, I, as I said, I've always called myself an independent conservative. Mm -hmm. You know, I am registered as an independent. Okay. Because I am not bound or honor bound for that fact to vote for a particular side. Right. I vote for who I honestly think um, is generally concerned about the issues and plans to make a change. But a you good can't change, you can't okay? see that as being either Republican or Democrat. Don't exactly. you always don't you that's always just go third I'm, party? That's why I'm an independent. I will vote for who I think is going to do the right thing. Me too. That's, I always do third party. You know, <laughs> and um, so. Um, Keeping that in mind, um, with one of the few exceptions that I, that I'll have to do, I'll probably end up voting nothing but Republican this time because I, I'm, I'm in dread fear of um, if they actually vote Hillary Clinton in because it will push the Illuminati plan ahead by at least 10 to 20. So, okay. 
that's what I'm concerned about. And if you have Nancy Pelosi as a speaker of the House. Now, here's an interesting scenario. Let's put this one up. Okay. okay. Let's say they impeach, they successfully impeach both, and this is what they're going to plan to do, both um, George Bush and Dick Cheney out, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say they impeach them and get them out. Okay. Who becomes president? Uh, wait, I'm sorry, I got distracted. They, uh, that's, say, po- that's uh, what's Hastert, or? No, no, let, no. Let's, let's say Nancy <laughs> Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, oh, then gather would be her, her followers, then and she... they managed to successfully impeach and kick out of the White House. Then it would be Pelosi. Bush and Dick Cheney. Who becomes president? That's Pelosi, then, right? You've got to believe. Yeah. She gets it all. Nancy Pelosi, the third person in the rung of politics, is elevated from Speaker of the House to President of the United States of America. Right. And that, how much? But how much power does that does that position really have? I mean, on a on a, on a global level. Well, remember, if y'all in the Illuminati, right. it has more pull and power than most people can think of. Uh huh. You know. Um. And with Pelosi, oh my goodness, could you actually see it if either Pelosi or um, Hillary got it? Oh my word, as it says, you might as well advance the Illuminati's plans ten to twenty years right there. You won't have to wait for twenty twelve for a disaster to hit the world. It would have happened. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That's why, as I said, this time around, I am going to vote Republican. And um, I, I'm absolutely terrified of the prospects of, of those Democrats getting it their way this time around. <laughs> and I don't vote party, party politics. I don't go by that. Normally, I will never go by party politics. I don't vote for this particular um, group or that group. But in this case, Considering, you know, what's going on, I'd rather, you know, side with the people I think are going to do the less damage. And that's a terrible reason to vote for anyone. Right. But for my inside information as an ex-aluminist, I fear that that's just about the only way I can go right now. What, what's your thoughts on the, um, I mean, uh, there's some people, I don't know what this thing is about them wanting to irradiate stuff. They irradiate our, our food. They uh, they want to irradiate our troops with depleted uranium. They they're fascinated with nuclear weaponry. Uh, do you have any comments on that at all, or do you have thoughts about? Well, if we go by the ancient belief, um, and I am talking not just the occult um, belief system, but I'm talking there are certain mythologies I know of that um, there was a particular deity that supposedly. Um, would, um, as you just described it, irradiate things, and by this process, um, purify and cure things. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was, you know, part of an ancient myth and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, but we also know that um, accusing people, you really irradiate anything, especially a human cell too much, you're going to kill it. Sure. You know, and um, 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 I think that this is, uh, another one of those um, experiments the Illuminati is doing. I think this is going to um, come in supposedly and leave as another fad. Right. You know, um, no. Uh, is it going to come in and go out like that? I think eventually, yes. But I think the Illuminati is using this again as another one of their experiments. They're measuring cause and effect. Right. Okay. Uh, well, we, uh, we, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk to, but we are running out of time. Um, real quickly, um, how, 
how much in involved is the uh, are the the British royal family and also just all royal families? I mean, is it is it pretty much pretty every royal family on the planet is is involved in this game? Well, I can tell you right now, King Juan Carlos of Spain is. Um, huh. Prince Charles of, of England definitely um, is a one-worlder. Right. Oh my goodness. Um, he, um, he um, as you well know, just recently last year, I believe, was married to Mila Pockabold. Mm-hmm. And um, my goodness, um, poor Princess Diana, she hasn't even been dead, dead and buried nine years, and he went and did that. I am disgusted at him. <laughs> you know, just for that alone. Um, other royal families, yes, most of them are under the Illuminati's control. Right. And if I remember, I think there's 28 um, royal houses still in existence. That there's, you know, like, you know, um, um, the Kingdom of Monaco, you know. Um, there's another kingdom. Well, you couldn't be surprised by by the Camilla Bowles thing. When Diana was, wasn't was ritually murdered. I mean, wasn't she just a sacrificial sacrifice? That's as far as I... Um, now, interesting enough, um, I have friends, um, um, reporters and such, in England who... who who told me, and this is what they told me, that when um, they arrived on the scene and started photo- taking photographs and everything of what had happened, they themselves swear they saw bullet holes. They'll take it to their grave swearing that, the, that there were bullet holes in that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, the so-called official report is it was an accident. Right. Yeah. No, I think they um, took um, Diana out. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've got a good political reason behind that, but that's another long story. <laughs> okay, well, Dr. Marquis, it was really a pleasure. Hey, do you want me to announce this address if people want to... Um... Oh, yes. Um, I have all types of book videos and audio tapes. Um, okay. If people would like them. You Here's know. the address. Uh, if you want some of, some of this uh, more information uh, from Doc Marquis, it's 1106 North 12th Street, uh, Beatrice. 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 It's B E A T R I C E. Right. Uh, Nebraska, six eight three one zero. Right. Now that's not where I'm at. Right. You know, that's just a contact address right now. Where if anyone wants any of my materials or anything, just you know, um, um, send your request there, and it it, it will eventually um, get to me. I'm in a whole different area. Okay. Well, great. I do appreciate your time. This has been a really fascinating conversation. And uh, because I, I, I'm, I'm aware of all this stuff, I just don't tend to use that, that word Illuminati because if there's so much baggage to it, uh, people have so many, you know, <laughs> you know, misjudgments and misjudgments about it. So um, thanks, for, thanks for sort of bringing me up to speed on this, uh, on this topic. All right. Take care. Okay, you take care now. All right. And there you go. That was uh, was Doc Marquis. All right. So um, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to go out on a song. Um, but I don't really have one. I don't really have one ready. How about this um, Bongwater song? This is uh, Kisses Sweeter Than Wine. You'll have a great night.